0: Hello, welcome back. Season 9, as always, continues. We play our head. Hello, Courtney. Hello. We're here for Courtney's biggest challenges, part two.
1: Because we talk too much in part one.
0: I'm not sure we talk too much if what we say is of value mm. or helps someone. Yes. Uh, I suppose there's also the risk we just talking in an echo chamber. It's just you <laughs> and me. Gas-bagging at each other, but that's married life, I would say. Yep. So last episode, we spoke about the fact that you allegedly dislike working out, which I now officially challenge that notion.
1: Parts of working out.
0: Yeah. Well, in that case, I'm the exact same. We spoke about emotional eating. Mm Mm-hmm. We spoke about proximity eating. So we can cross those off the list. Yes. And we can just dive straight into, well, there's a few more here to go through. So, like, no promises. Like, there could be a part three here.
1: We'll see. There also could not be. We'll see how much you talk on this one.
0: <laughs> so, tell me about complacency. What is it? Never heard of it.
1: <laughs> never heard of it. No, nope, we will never have a clue. Okay. Complacency basically is when you get to a point where you feel very comfortable And you think you've got it all sorted out and you think it's just going to happen like on autopilot. Okay. And you get complacent.
0: So you mean like, okay, I start a new program. Great. I've got an exercise program. Oh, cool. I've lost 500 grams this week. I got this figured out. This is easy. Yeah. Is that what happened to you?
1: On and off. Literally for 10 years, complacency has crept back in. So it's always been a big challenge and I think it's one of those things that will always be a challenge for me to make sure that I'm aware of. So the first, the first time I remember it really um, coming back to sort of bite me in the butt was I think I was about three months in to my first sort of really like solid program with you, Matt. Um, that was when we were at the gym and I'd really sort of got stuck into my exercise program. Um, That
0: first 12 weeks. The
1: first 12 weeks. You killed it. Really did really well, got some great results. Body was really starting to change. Like I felt really comfortable with getting into the gym, felt really comfortable getting into the weights Mm. by that time and was getting really comfortable with understanding like, what sort of foods what were, you were, learning. were reacting well to, hmm. with my body, what sort of foods I like to eat, that sort of thing.
0: Your application was outstanding.
1: Yes. So then I think it was definitely after that, in the three months after that. So first 12 weeks was great, second 12 weeks.
0: should probably mention as well your that first 12 weeks, Like it came with some pretty impressive before and after photos. Mm. Do you think they were the trigger for that complacency at the time?
1: I always think that you feel like your mind thinks I've got this when you see change. So I definitely think that it contributed. Um, but I think definitely that and the fact that I felt like I really understood why it was happening. Like I understood, you know, my training program, I understood the the food. So even though I understood it, you mix that with then seeing the results and you think, sweet. And you start getting complimented. People start to notice that you've lost weight, that you're looking good.
0: Wearing different clothes.
1: And then all of that together definitely contributed to me taking the foot off the pedal because it. I didn't understand yet that lesson of – I hadn't learned the lesson of this isn't a do it and forget it after that. It's a – Continue to do it forever, sort of thing. Like you, this isn't just a button that you that you switch and then switch off. It is a yes. This means that you are going to look after yourself in this way forever.
0: <laughs> well, you mentioned that you know you, you put some some points up on the scoreboard, mm-hmm. and you think to yourself, "Yeah, I've got this." You know, the funny thing is. Those of us that do think that, yeah, we, you know, like, hey, I've got this. You actually do have this, provided you keep doing what you were doing yeah. to get the changes in the first place.
1: Exactly right, and that's the catch twenty two with the whole thing because emotionally, then you start to think, oh, well, it doesn't matter if I just have this one extra meal, or it doesn't matter if I have this because
0: standards drop.
1: Look, I'm I'm looking so good, it, like this one won't matter. That was always a problem with me. And then that's when the standards do drop, and then you forget how many just ones that you have.
0: How have your standards dropped with complacency when, when it has arisen for
1: you? It's mostly always been food. Elaborate. So for me, I think we spoke a little bit about with my, um, when we were talking about exercise in the last episode, for me, even generally going through my worst of times. Exercise still hasn't been my my problem where I just won't go.
0: What about the quality of what you were doing though?
1: The quality of cardio has always been – it's always been a challenge for me to maintain because as we spoke about last episode, that is the one that I, I really hate the mm. most. But in terms of my actual weight training, I feel like the quality has always been – on the higher level. Like, I'm not going to say it's always perfect, but I definitely think it's always been above average. But...
0: Do you push yourself?
1: Well, I do, but I don't think... There's always going to be times you push yourself more. So I think you're alluding to the fact that often when you're there, you feel like I, I push out maybe more reps or get to a higher weight than I would on my own.
0: Not alluding at all, no.
1: But I always think that there's definitely times that I would push myself more than other times, but... I always still think on average – and you're going by an average basis here Mm – that I always think that that I do pretty well with that. My biggest complacency comes in when it involves the food because it becomes the mentality of, well, this just one won't matter. I look – you know, I'm doing so well, this extra one won't matter –
0: That old one bite won't hurt mentality.
1: But the problem is, is that you lose focus on how many just ones there are. So then they build up and then that's where the standard for me really drops. And then it, and then in, in, it becomes a vicious cycle because then I start to beat myself up for it. How? Mentally, I start to beat myself up because I realize what I'm doing or I realize that, you know, I, I've, I'm putting some weight back on or my body's not reacting to the things that I'm eating generally. So maybe my clothes aren't fitting so nicely and I haven't put a lot of weight back on that much weight back on in a short amount of time, but I've put some weight back on, but then I'm also bloated or like retaining fluid because I'm eating food that I shouldn't be eating because it doesn't agree with my body. Mm. And so all around I feel puffy. Then I feel, I feel bloated. I've put weight back on and I just look, Awful to me. I feel like then I look awful because I've none of my, you know, your clothes don't fit as well or you just feel uncomfortable. And then you beat yourself up more. So then what happens is it triggers your emotional eating, my emotional eating. So then you just want to eat those foods more. So it's this vicious cycle that if you got stuck in, it would really take you way back down into the rabbit hole. So for me, when it comes to complacency, it's something I have to be really mindful of that when I'm having success that I'm prone, like straight away prone to complacency. When I'm having success and things are going really well and I'm starting to get good results, I am prone to complacency and I have to be mindful of that. And I also have to be mindful of times where like if if I am getting stuck in it, I can't beat myself up about it like that making you know mistakes and beating yourself up about it you just have to let it go as a mistake and i have to then move on because if i dwell into it it'll it'll really will spiral down to an emotional eating and binge eating type of um mentality for me
0: is complacency normal yes so it's not just you
1: no (laughs) (laughs) no no, I don't. know if I've met anybody that hasn't told me that they've never experienced complacency.
0: I can't think of anyone I've met. It's it's to me, it's human nature.
1: Whether it's got to do with exercise, I've known people that just will take weeks off exercise. I've known people that have similar to me where it's the food that goes backwards, or both. Um, could be both. Yeah, it, it could be a few different things. But we'll see. It,
0: we'll see it with clients, and this is why sometimes. We've had clients where they'll start with us like they're shot out of a cannon. And much like your first twelve weeks, Courtney, it's just like, wow, okay, yep, cool. You are you are kicking ass. And okay, yeah, get some get some pretty good external changes so far. And a lot of a lot of clients that don't start like that will look at people like what you did, Courtney, in your first twelve weeks, and what has happened with plenty of other clients in the past, and I think, oh, wish I could do that. My first thought is, hold on, Sparky. There's another side to this, because how, like, if I had a dollar for every time I've seen someone start just red hot on a program with us and then just drop right off, mm-hmm. it's it's normal. And it's the thing is like your your experience where you start fantastic and then you start to smell the roses a bit too much is just all too common a story, which is why, to me, people that get a fast start, there's no guarantee that they're going to be able to keep it up.
1: No, definitely not. It's it's one of those things that have really, though, in in one respect, I'm I'm happy that it it did happen because it really led me to a lot of the things that we still talk about to this day, Matt, like celebrating the small wins. So it's that fine line between celebrating when you achieve something big, but not feeling yourself too much where you think it's the end. And we've spoken about that a lot.
0: Well, what is the end?
1: And it's and it's those sort of realizations through my own experience of having that complacency obstacle that I've come up like I've really been able to have clarity when it comes to those sort of things. So, um, you know, making sure that back in the day we came up with the small wins list and making sure that we celebrate those, making sure that, you know, we we tell a lot of our clients like about the honeymoon period. You'll be very excited in the first twelve weeks. You'll you'll be into it. And after that it we, we'll, you know, we try to prepare them based off our own experiences and, and, and based off my experiences. I know, like
0: I was just saying, for you that was like a honeymoon period. Yeah,
1: it, it feels yeah. great at the time because you've made a decision to change. You're you've really found like a purpose for it, and
0: you're doing something. You're about doing it.
1: something about it, mm-hmm. and the thing that you're doing is fit is fitting into place. Like it's all starting to make sense, and and then you're seeing results from it, and it's so easy to feel that rush of endorphin when it comes time to it but it and the problem is it's so easy to take your eye off the prize of what the big goal actually was because then what happens is you start to see these results and you think i look great i look great like this but you need to always remind yourself but that wasn't your goal to look like this after 12 weeks i
0: i look at it as being and i've said this to people in the past including myself that your goal was not to change a little
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's perfectly said. But
0: Your goal was not to, you know, score a couple of points in the game. The goal is to score a lot of points over a long-term period of time. And it is very easy just to get a little taste of success and then start to think, yeah, I'm shit hot.
1: Absolutely. And that's what happened to me. And it's it's happened to me several times since. So it's not like it's just that first 12 weeks, 10 years ago, and it's never happened again. Mm-hmm. It's definitely happened over the last twelve, uh, sorry, ten years, because my body shape has continued to evolve over the last ten years. There's been new targets or new goals that I've set for myself, and so when you do that and and you start to evolve again, I'm I feel like my my biggest challenge is to always go back to that complacency when I start to see results and. The difference, I guess, for me now is that I can recognize that it's a pattern for me, that it's a habit, and I know it's going to come, so I can then start to put things in place and also deal with it if I start to feel like I've slipped into complacency because I'm also not Yoda, and I don't know before everything happens, so I definitely wouldn't also say in the last 10 years that I've caught it before I've started to fall into complacency, but... I think the other thing that I've had to learn is there's no point beating myself up about it because I'm only going to make that hole deeper. How do you know? That I've fallen into complacency. I think it really, for me, just comes down to habits. Like when you have really firm habits, you know when they, when they change, you may not pick it up straight away, but I know when my habits change.
0: Can there be a lag between knowing when your habits have changed and actually doing something about it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Tell me more.
1: Well, often for me it would be because I'm in denial that they have changed. Let's go. So they might, you might think, nah. Again, it just always comes back to that you're trying to talk yourself in or out of something. So I'm trying to say to myself originally, that's just one, it'll be fine. I'll make it up tomorrow, you know, these sort of things you tell yourself. Is this the phrase,
0: believing your own bullshit?
1: Yeah. But then, of course, when you slip into complacency and you start to know that your patterns have changed, you're probably more, for me, for my experience, in denial of how bad it's got or, oh, it's just this week. It'll be fine. I don't need to panic here. This isn't like quick you know alarm bells we need to focus on this it'll be fine it'll fall back into place sort of thing (laughs) and I feel like for me my personal experience when it comes to complacency is I you lose track of time a lot for me so like I was mentioning a couple of times where you lose track of those it's just one You lose track of how many of those you do then in one week.
0: As in like it's just one for the next month.
1: But then you also lose track that it's happened for a month. Mm. And then it's not until you go back and you actually sit down and you think about it and you're really honest with yourself because, again, denial, denial, denial is strong. And you also, if you're somebody and you've got a personality like me, you don't like to admit that you've made a mistake. So, of course, your brain's going to go straight into protective mode of, now you haven't made a mistake. It's fine. It'll fix itself. You don't need to admit that you've done something wrong here. It's fine. So that helps with the delay for me as well.
0: Is it always the same foods?
1: Well, I think for me personally, this would fall back into my emotional eating habit. So for me, they're, they're very – go sort of hand in hand. So it would fall back into what foods I crave when I am emotionally eating. So you're looking at more of your sweet-type stocked foods. The usual suspects. Yeah. But there's also some foods that are just really high in, high in calories. Like they're delicious, but they're not filling you up, and they're really high in calories. So you've got those quote-unquote healthy foods, which are healthy like nuts, for instance, roasted nuts. Delicious, I find them delicious. Cashew nuts and macadamia nuts.
0: Don't even get me started.
1: Delicious nuts, right? Like,
0: I am here for it.
1: I love them. Mm. I would snack on them all day. However, they're not filling me up. They're not a meal, and they're incredibly calorie dense. Honestly,
0: honestly, like I live, I live for nuts, especially peanuts. But they're a terrible snack. Yeah. They're terrible. Terrible. Yeah.
1: Terrible. Almonds, but like as terrible.
0: Mixed into a massive salad.
1: Oh, very different. Game changer. If they're a part of an actual meal. Yeah. But just snacking on them is not a meal. Nah. And it's not helping me. So that's probably more of where I get complacent, whereas I'm having more foods like that where I'm snacking throughout the day and in my brain I justify it as, oh, but it's okay because it's healthy. Oh. But the problem is, is that. You don't stop to think, okay, A, this is not a meal, and B, this is not adding anything to my day. Um, and, yeah, we don't count calories, but I just know.
0: Well, it's calorie awareness, isn't just, it? Just
1: being calorie aware, you know that that nuts are very calorie dense. Yeah. So I'm, in effect, wasting so many calories a day on not a meal. Mm. Where I could have just sat down and had a massive meal, and it had less calories than that, but that's and not some nuts through it. That's not what the way. At the when I go through those phases, the way that my brain will justify it.
0: Have you improved at this? Yeah. How?
1: I think for me, it's. All, I'm always trying to be more aware of everything I put in my mouth. That sounds <gasps> wrong. <laughs> that sounds really wrong to eat. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm here for it. We can't even cut this part out because it's too funny. I have no intention of cutting Uh, this part out. (laughs) That is too funny. Um, I'm more aware of the food that I eat. Okay. (laughs) Child, we are children. Um,
0: You mean like sausages and things like that?
1: (laughs) Stop it. Stop it. No, I'm in all seriousness... (laughs) Compose. Compose ourselves, please. Compose. Um, Definitely being more more aware of just food that that I'm eating. So I know when I'm getting complacent because I do reach for those delicious foods which my brain will tell me are healthy, but they're not helping me. Mm. Or, you know, and again, I think this comes down a lot to the rule of proximity too. So it's just making sure that, I've got food to eat.
0: Here's a question. When when you fall into complacency or you have in the past, does your acknowledgement or or the way you, you behave around the rule of proximity change? Does what goes into your shopping trolley change? Probably the, is the better question to
1: ask. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I think once I focus on the rule of proximity and making sure I've got food to eat, it's also – then as we've spoken about before, trying to keep out of the house as much as possible things that you don't want to eat. And then that way I know that I'm starting to get complacent because I'm I'm actually physically going to buy these things. Like it's not just like it's in the house and I can just grab one unconsciously. Like I'm at that point I'm making a conscious effort to go and buy it. So by doing that also, it helps because I'm more conscious and aware. Of what I'm doing and then for me I think that's easier to pick up because I know if I'm going to the supermarket all the time buying these it gets to only a few in where I'm like hang on a second this is too many now it's starting to become a habit
0: we talk about bonus and staple foods
1: yeah and Don't we? Yeah, it's We're, just continuing to when, go over that. When and bonus
0: then, foods become staple foods,
1: I think for me, complacency also is, is for myself is about setting standards
0: okay. constantly
1: and constantly setting standards for myself. So, and almost rules in a way, and that and that just helps me. So, rules.
0: Tell me more about rules.
1: I think like for me, it's like well, I'm going to go on a date night this week with Matt.
0: As in this Matt?
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. If I'm gonna go on a date night with my husband, then That's me. I'm not gonna go and buy lunch on Tuesday at work because I want my the meal that I go out and have a meal out to be date night with my husband on Friday night. So for me, it's also
0: make it worth the wait.
1: It's giving me standard that's part of me setting standards. So it's not depriving myself because yeah, I could go out on Tuesday at work and buy lunch. It doesn't have to be anything that's unhealthy. It still could be very healthy. But Like a major for lunch. For me, it's just not the point. It's like for me, it's less about what I'm eating and more about the the pleasure of going out for a meal. So I'd rather do it for for a reason than it become the convenient option because, again, Mm. for me, I know myself and I know that if I made that, a theory in my head that's plausible, it will become a habit.
0: I look at it as being, if I'm going to eat food that's off my plan or going to you know, have some bonus foods or whatever, I'm going to make it worth it, make it worth my while, something that's going to be worth anticipating with good company, which is a whole lot different to just every day I'm grabbing shit.
1: I just think, yeah, for me personally, I just know that if I made that a habit – that lunch that I just have out just because I can mm. will then inevitably turn into having something that I shouldn't be having or doesn't agree with my body because it's there and it looks delicious and I haven't tried it yet. So I'm going to try that. And then it can roll, it, it can spiral out of control for me, I know very quickly. So when I talk about standards and rules for myself, it's just setting myself basically boundaries. Boundaries is probably a better way to put it. Mm. Boundaries are all sort of mini goals where it's like, you know what? This week, I'm, I'm like at the moment, I'm setting myself a boundary or a goal. I'm only eating out once a week.
0: Well, it's a process-oriented goal, isn't it? Yeah. Mm.
1: And then that way, each week, I can decide if I've got a bir- if I know it's it's somebody's birthday, then I know that's the time we're going to be eating out. Yeah. So we'll do date night in, maybe, or something like that. And that's going to be different for everyone. I don't mean that you have to then set a goal that you can only eat out once a week. That's going to be individualized for what you want your goals. But for me, that's a boundary that I can sustain mm. that works for me and my goals.
0: You have to build yourself up to it, don't you? I mean, you can't go – if you're someone who consistently eats food out of cafes, restaurants, drive throughs on a daily basis, it's kind of unrealistic to go from, well, I'm going to do this every single day to I'm going to do this once a week. Yeah, Like you've got to learn to what? Crawl before you walk and then walk before you run as the cliche goes.
1: Yes. Mm. I think – and I think it's just finding boundaries. Boundaries is definitely a better word than rules. I think you're just setting yourself boundaries that are going to keep you striving for something but keep keep you sort of contained in a way. that That is for me. I need to be sort of have some sort of boundaries otherwise my, my brain will have any excuse to give myself an excuse mm. to – eat the food that I used to consume daily.
0: Is there some benefit to the fact that you are intolerant to basically everything? So if you have something that clearly doesn't agree with you, your body's going to be like, hey, fuck you. Is there a benefit to this.
1: It is a little bit because it does make it a little bit easier to say no because I know that the outcome of that isn't just going to be that I'm going to think to myself, I shouldn't have probably eaten that. There's a bigger outcome <laughs> and it involves me feeling poor. So that definitely is helpful. I think these days though, you still have to be careful because there's so many food products and there's so many restaurants that cater for so many dietary requirements now. It's like it used to be where you had, if you wanted to find gluten-free bread, there was one option and it didn't taste very good. Um, there's So many options now.
0: Doesn't mean they're all good.
1: Doesn't mean they're all good. We've had some but
0: shit gluten-free food.
1: It definitely means it is easier a lot, yes, to say no to things. So if I'm working from home, it's obviously a controlled environment. But if I'm working Remotely, on site
0: yeah.
1: at one you know, one of my, my other jobs, there's a break room there that I can't control. I, I was just in there this afternoon for a few hours and somebody had brought in Easter eggs.
0: Hang on, what?
1: It's May, yes. So <laughs> Easter eggs is not a thing. They must have had them for some reason. Someone had left them in the break room with a sign that says, please enjoy.
0: What type are they? Are those like the small, solid, filled ones? No,
1: the bigger, hollow ones. Nah, the shit. Cadbury nah. ones.
0: Ah, chuck them away.
1: So that's very easy for me to say no to because I can't eat milk chocolate. So mm. if they were very dark chocolate eggs that I know my body can consume, that would have been very hard to not have one. It's
0: also yeah, I, I can identify with that. One one of the few benefits to being diabetic is that it doesn't take much for my body to tell me, yeah. You can't no, that. No champ.
1: Yeah. So there are some some benefits to that.
0: I'll tell you what, one, one tip I would probably give to you, Courtney, and to you listening as well, something that I found very helpful from a complacency perspective with regards to the food that we eat because, yes, it is easy to have the one-bite-won't-hurt mentality because that adds up fucking fast. And also portion distortion comes into play with, with complacency and complacency eating as well. Yeah. And then you add in the fact that the human memory is, for the most part, terrible and wants to block out what we consider to be mistakes. I'll tell you what's a good way to really create awareness around potential complacency. If you even have the slightest hint that you might be there or about to be there, spend one full week literally tracking and writing down everything that you do, Yeah, all your training, everything you eat, and I mean everything, the nibbles, the leaks, like whatever, uh, as Courtney Just said. Just one bite. As Courtney said, whatever goes into her mouth, you've got to track it. Stop it. Uh, so, you know, uh, what you eat and what you drink. Yep. Track it all for a week, then go back and look at it. I guarantee you it is worse than what you tell yourself. Oh, yes. Because the brain is so good at smoothing things out. Oh, you know, like, hey, how many times has an overweight person said to me, oh, I eat pretty healthy. Like, sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, sure, absolutely. And that probably feeds into this complacency challenge for me is I've never been good at at recording my food. Mm -hmm. And so absolutely it is one of the ways where then if I in the past spend the time to write that down, it's clear as mud. I don't even think you have to get past the second day.
0: Clear as mud or or crystal clear? Crystal
1: clear, I don't even think half the time I've got past, like if I set myself a challenge because I feel like things are going badly here, honestly, keep going for the full week like you said, but honestly, you'll see it on day two. I always have. Like you see it straight away. It's a whole different ball game once you actually write it down on paper.
0: I don't think, just as as a slight digression, I don't think there's a need for people to have to record everything they do for the rest of their lives because like you don't, if your habits are good, you really don't need to. But it's a great tool to have as you get more advanced yeah. and more experienced. To go, okay, I think I'm starting to slip. Just a whole week.
1: Where is this going? Just a whole,
0: what? just yeah. a whole week of recording everything as an awareness tool. Yeah. It is gold.
1: I think it's. I think it's a perfect lesson actually. I'm glad you brought it up because, as you said, you record all your food, all your beverages, all your sleep, workouts. sleep times and your workouts and that sort of thing, and then you get a really, really clear picture. And it just, as you said, it doesn't mean that you have to keep doing it. Some people keep doing it. They like it. That's fine. Yeah. But for a lot of people, it's not sustainable forever, and that's, and that's fine too. But it is a great tool, as you said, because once you build the habit or the, the skill of being able to do it,
0: and the honesty, and is the well, honesty—it's it. all
1: a skill. Mm. So doing that is a skill. Mm. Once you've developed the skill of being able to do it, it is a lifelong skill that you can go back to. So when and you should go you back, you do to. feel like you are feeling a bit complacent, or your clothes aren't fitting the way that they once were, or you might have just gone through a bad time in your life,
0: or and if you've you,
1: let—if
0: you think you've hit a plateau,
1: yep, you've let some emotion creep in, or you've struggled, you know, with something, and weight has gone on as a result. Or you've hit a plateau, so you actually have been losing weight, but you feel like you've stopped and you don't know why. It's always in in your bag of tricks you can just pull this out and just say, "Okay, I'm going to record this for a week, and then it's going to give me that is the start of your plan on where to go next."
0: Yeah, that, that's where that's where you see where the holes are. Yeah, and there always are. Like it's yeah. Anything else you want to add here? I don't think so. Our chances of doing a three-parter are going up dramatically. I
1: think I mumbled through that enough.
0: You didn't mumble. So let's go to the next one, the next challenge. Listening to noise.
1: Yeah, listening to the noise. What's up? It's just getting distracted, I think this one comes down to. Getting too easily distracted. By? By outside influence. So you're talking about, I mean, it could be lots of different things. For me, it was always more listening to the t- no- noise in terms of social media and looking at what's in vogue or what's, you know, popular to do at that time, so what exercise or what social media influencer is doing this week or, you know, all that sort of stuff. But listening to the noise could also come under, you know, listening to maybe negative people in your life or around you, um, being influenced that way. Um TV you know social media social media is probably the biggest one in this day and age I would think but
0: but for you though
1: for me it was always social media
0: what about what about other people doing other things?
1: other people doing other things but it was really because of social media that I would see that um, it wasn't I didn't have anybody in my main circle that were negative towards me or doing something that was making me feel like I am doing the wrong thing.
0: Because that, that that there is actually a big one. Yeah. That I, I hear about a lot is know, someone that's on on their on their path, and it's the co-worker or a family member like, oh, I've lost ten pounds in the last ten days. You should and, do this. And you think to yourself, what the fuck am I doing wrong?
1: Yeah. Or or being sort of making negative comments about the way you're going about it. And oh, you're making, lifting you, weights. Making what? you second guess what you're mm. doing. Um,
0: that's noise for sure.
1: That's not helpful. Um, I was, my personal experience, I was very, I'm very blessed to have great people around me in my life and I have not had that personally as a problem for me. My family were supportive of what I did. My co-workers have always been supportive of what I've done. I've never had somebody question what I do myself, try to, actively convince me that I'm doing the wrong thing or make me second-guess myself. So I've been blessed in that way. I think for me, the listening to the noise, uh, like have always been um, years ago I was on social media far too much. Years ago? Yeah. Mm. I think I've got better. Mm-hmm. You don't think I have? Continue. <laughs> It doesn't think I have. But I definitely think I've got better. Um,
0: Do you track your screen time? No. Thank you.
1: But it's hard also because – Your I'm, phone
0: gives you a report every single week.
1: Yes, but I'm also on my phone for work. Fair. Me too. So it's hard. But I just know in myself yeah, okay. I've got better. Yep. But also I think what I've got better at is curating who's on my social media.
0: Now that's a big deal.
1: So years ago, Matt actually gave me this tip, which was to go through and really think, like go through your follow list, especially on Instagram, and really think who am I following and why? And what was your what was your theory, Matt?
0: It's not a theory. It's a fact.
1: A fact. What is it?
0: The three E's. The
1: three E's. That's right.
0: You must – if someone you're following on insert social media platform here doesn't either educate, entertain – or empower you, hit the unfollow button immediately. That's that that's been my rule for a long time now. Yeah. If I if 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 I follow you, it's because you give me one of those three things or a combination of those three things. Yeah. And all when of a sudden you, you start to prune your list, don't you? You do, because mm. you
1: told me that a few years ago mm. and I started to do that immediately. And I remember the first day I did it, I took so many people off my follow list because I didn't even remember following them. Like I don't even know why I had them there. (laughs) But the problem is they appear in your feed. Mm. Mm. And the more than you follow, the more than suggestions you'll have of more people like that to follow. And it's not helpful. So I've always ever since then been very aware of who I'm following and why. Mm. And yeah, sometimes even to this day I'll come across somebody in my feed and think, Oh, why am I following you? And I'll unfollow them. Um I think it's always good to still do a cull. And I'm talking about like major you know fitness influencers, you know oh. um major sort of quote unquote social media influencers, experts. Experts, you know, um so celebrities, things like this. So these are the people that I used to follow a lot and this is what I'm talking about. This is who I cull and unfollow because it's just noise coming from them. And I think sometimes even you know they're obviously not meaning to trigger people or for people to be unhappy from watching them. That mm. I don't think that's their goal. No,
0: definitely but not.
1: It's just you're not going to click and resonate with everybody's message and there's no mm. point following somebody just because you think you should or you think that it's you know it's the cool, you know, they're the it person at the moment. It doesn't matter.
0: They're like, the shiny object. Again, you yeah.
1: resonate with the people you resonate with. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if somebody is going to be talking about things or showing images of things that are going to make you feel a certain way anxious or start to make me second guess what I'm doing yeah. or start to make me question my own body shape, that that is not their problem. It's mine. And I need to take action by cutting myself off from that
0: that's you couldn't have said any better ultimately it is our responsibility to put ourselves in the best possible positions to you know for mental health physical health whatever it might be here's a question for you talking about listening to noise what about noise around how big or small a female pt should be Ugh. Do, your boy he's got a long memory And he remembers many things, even some things that maybe you don't. Yes. Tell, please share about that. About? Because there was a time when you used to be concerned that maybe you were too big to be a PT, even though you were in great shape. Yeah. What's up?
1: I think the problem is, is that especially when I was absorbed in that world back then, and I was still trying to find my confidence in myself. Yep. That back then I look back and I think that girl at that time years ago when we were running our gym and, and all that, we were building the business. Uh. I thought I was confident. But I look back now and I think I was not confident. I was still trying to find my confidence. And so I was easily in my mind put off by people I saw around me. So there was people I knew from – Everyone at the time I knew that was in the fitness industry that we knew Mm. that had gyms or that worked out of gyms, they were all in great, like, better shape than me. Yeah. And –
0: How do you define better shape?
1: Well, that's a good question, actually, because at the time, you know, I really shouldn't have described it like that because I didn't have body shapes that I wanted.
0: Skinny isn't always a shape.
1: Well, at the end of the day, it is if that's your desired shape. Mm. But I think one of the lessons that we have to learn is holding true to your desired goal. And I, I, I got sucked into the feeling back then and I convinced myself that because I didn't look like that, I was supposed to look like that. I should look like that. I should want to look like that. So that was the desired body shape and it wasn't. So there's many trainers out there that look very different But I think a lot of that, again, I'll dial it back because I could rant about this for a while. No, please do. Just say. No,
0: rant away. Let's go.
1: I think it just comes down to at the time, a lot of when I say listening to the noise is I might be influenced by one thing or I might sense something, but I think a lot of the thing for me is I tend to go on with it in my own mind. And this is what I think a lot of listening to the noise is when it comes to social media or being influenced by the people around you. Sometimes it's literally said to you, like it'd be different if somebody said to you, what you're doing is silly or what you're doing won't help you. Or, Why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. If they're questioning your actual, like what you're literally doing is, is a whole different thing. Yep. I didn't have that. So I'm not going to speak on that. But for me, a lot of what, listening to the noise was for me was people out there talking about their own experiences, what worked for them. They weren't necessarily trying to tell me that I was doing the wrong thing. They were just trying to sell their product or sell their um, their own business. But I then convinced myself in different moments that, well, I'm not good enough because I don't look like that or I had to remind myself that, no, 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 I am doing something that – is giving me the shape and the body that I want. I don't need to do that. But I was very um, easily swayed and I had to have internal conversations with my in my head sometimes because I would look at those influences or something like that and think, oh, am I, and I'd question myself, am I doing the wrong thing? Do I have the wrong goals? So I don't necessarily think when I say listening to the noise, it wasn't necessarily blatantly told to me I think a lot of the time I just look at, I was looking at too many different people doing too many different things and I started to convince myself that what I was doing was wrong.
0: Question. Do you think you are more susceptible to noise when you are lacking in self-confidence? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. Especially if it's got to do with the thing that you're not confident about. Aha. So, if you're lacking in self confidence because of the way you look, Mm. I think, I personally think you're going to be more susceptible then to that area. So, things on social media related to look or related to exercise or diet or whatever. It's going to be absorbed into your brain, I think, quicker.
0: So, how does one improve at blocking out the noise?
1: I think. Really trying to recognize where most of your noise comes from. So like when I detailed where my noise came came from, I know a very clear image of where it all comes from. So I think for me, really trying to nail down if you feel like you've got a noise a lot of noise happening in in your life, think about where it's coming from. Is it coming from the people around you? Is it coming literally very specifically where somebody is in your immediate circle telling you that what you're doing is not good enough or not going to work or putting you down? Or is it happening because you're sourcing too many different opinions Mm. and it's all getting confusing? Have you got too much, too many different opinions on your social media and you're actively looking at all of them? Are you going down rabbit holes on social media looking up things and you're confusing yourself?
0: That could be taking you away from what you – probably should be doing instead or are supposed to be doing?
1: Yeah. I think it's finding out where the noise is coming from and yeah. then you can start to correct correct it and put up boundaries for yourself. So for me it was going through my social media, really blocking out, unfollowing a lot of those influencers or a lot of those people that I just didn't need to be following because it was just more noise that is coming into my life. I can't get rid of social media because –
0: it's part of our business.
1: We use it for our job. Yeah. Mm. So I had to really start setting myself up boundaries on realizing when I'm on social media, what am I on here for? Mm. So if, it's, if I am literally on here for entertainment, that's great. But then I shouldn't be going into um, videos about body shape or workouts because that's not entertaining for me.
0: What's well, job. Part of our job, isn't so it? So yeah. it's
1: thinking when I'm on there, what am I on here for right now? Am I on here for work? Am I on here for entertainment? And if I'm on here for entertainment, then what is what do I want to look at right now? Mm. So do I want to look up videos. funny cat videos? Do I want to look up am I researching uh, my next tattoo design? ideas or
0: yeah that's good fun you know
1: so it's those sort of things where i'm on there i'm just have to be more deliberate and aware of what am i going on here looking for
0: yeah this reminds me of our time management episode we did during the course of this very season where we spoke about doing an audit so with, with you know improving your time management requires an audit of where your time wasters are same thing isn't it here with okay shit I've, there's potential noise here that's making things harder for me. you got to order where it's coming from. Where is it coming from?
1: 100%. Yeah. And then for me, once once you sort of narrow it down, then you can start putting strategies in place to protect yourself from that.
0: Well, the magic B word comes up, doesn't it? Boundaries.
1: Yeah, you have to have boundaries. Mm. And I think as as good as social media is, it has its great points. You know, there's support groups. There's We have a, a weight loss podcast Facebook group. Shout out. Which is a fantastic group. So...
0: So the, the the core another digression. The the original sort of idea behind those social media, I think, is tremendous. Yes, yeah, same. I, I connected with people. I went to you know, and still do now connect with people I went to high school with. Yeah, even though I'm mean, in a completely different part of the country. Yeah, you know, what well, we've met people literally in different parts of the world. This wouldn't be possible. No, you know. But it's a double edged sword though. Isn't it can it? be.
1: And that's where that's where your boundaries come in because for me, social media still gives me a great resource, whether it be for imagery, whether it be for support, whether it be for um research for something if for you, things. But
0: I'm sure you'd agree. If you get the right if you if you follow, you know, the right person, the right people, or you're in the right group, whatever it might be, it can be really beneficial. Yeah. But gee, you got to wade through so much shit to get there, don't you?
1: You do. And I think it's, yeah, I, I think the audit is a perfect phrase. So yeah. I think the perfect place to start is an audit. I think then you really have to narrow down where it's coming from. So then you can really start to put boundaries in place. I'm not saying, you know, kick it out of your life altogether because it's unrealistic. We wouldn't do that. But so that's why I think the word boundaries is perfect. Yeah. You got to start setting boundaries.
0: Cool. I think we'll go on to the next one. Yep. And we'll probably have to make this the last one. And guess what?
1: Sorry. (laughs) Not sorry.
0: Sorry, not sorry. Sorry. We'll make it a three-parter. So the next one you've got, the next challenge, is comparing yourself to others, which seems to play off nicely from noise.
1: It does, yeah. So this one, again, it sort of leads straight in. It was sort of like emotional eating, proximity eating. This one is like listening to, to the noise, comparing myself to others because it does lead in. So it's definitely a bit of a um, an outcome to the symptom of, you know, I don't know the symptom, but anyway, it's definitely an outcome from listening to I the noise. I think you
0: might say that comparing yourself to others for you has been a symptom of noise.
1: That's the one. That's mm. what I was thinking of. Um, but it's also just something I've dealt with always. So I I always remember not being totally confident with the way that I looked. I've spoken about it before. I don't have a fantastic memory from when I was a child, not like Matt who can remember when he was five. I don't remember when I was a child. Mm. I just don't have seem to have that memory. I don't know why. I don't know whether I've just blocked out a lot of it because – I didn't have an unhappy childhood, but I definitely wasn't a very confident child. Um, but I i never, I've always generally compared myself to other people. So other girls at school that I thought were prettier than me, I've always been on the bigger side. So I wasn't an obese child, but I definitely was never, I wasn't naturally thin, Yep. Um, so I've definitely always compared myself and being uncomfortable comparing myself to other people. I think with the way that I looked, I think this also happened a lot when I was in my younger year levels because I struggled to learn when I was at school. I struggled to pay attention. I struggled very much with learning when I was in school. I don't know why. There probably would be a some sort of reason if I looked into it. It wasn't a thing when I was at school that people got tested a lot for, I don't know, dys- dyslexia and things like that. That wasn't really a thing when I went to school. Um, so I'm not saying that I'm dyslexic necessarily, but I would, I, I probably would say that if I got tested back when I was a child, there would be something there. I went to high school, not being able to read properly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when I couldn't read you, when you can't read properly, you can't spell properly. And it's very embarrassing when you're going to high school and you can't read properly. So for me, that I think led to how self-conscious and uncomfortable I was as a child growing up. That compared to the fact that I also wasn't, you know, the prettiest girl in the room or the the skinniest girl in the room, it led to me to be very self-conscious all around. And you I are think-
0: always the prettiest girl oh, in the room.
1: Thank you. Um, so I think those things really led me growing up to be very, Critical of myself and so I would compare myself a lot to other people.
0: Did this carry through to being an adult?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah. Yes. So what still very critical of myself.
0: What about since you and I met the last like the last ten years? I think still sort a of thing.
1: Once I oh I, I I could still easily fall back into that. Yeah. How? I think for me it's um times when I don't feel my best. I feel like I can easily fall back into that. I can easily fall into that "well, is me mentality if I was to allow myself to. Mm-hmm. That thing of, oh, but that person has that and I don't. Or I don't know whether everybody has a little bit of that in them. Do you ever have that, Matt?
0: What?
1: That feeling of, oh, but they have that and I don't. Or they look better than me.
0: Honestly, not anymore, but it's just come with just growing confidence and experience over the years. Like it used to be, that used to be a a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, how common is it? Like we never like what we have.
1: Oh, yeah, no. I mean, and it used to be much bigger for me, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I would sit here now and say that it never happens to me.
0: Yep. Well, here's the thing. When you talk about these sort of comparisons to other people, they're never positive, are they?
1: No, you're always putting yourself down. Mm-hmm. It's always you're comparing the worst of you to the best of someone else.
0: <laughs> that is a great
1: way of putting it. But also yeah. I think as I've got older, what I've realized is you're very similar to social media, the way that I look at social media. Yep. You're comparing the worst of you and you know everything about yourself mm. forever. What's for, and all. for as long as you have active memory, you know everything about your feelings, about your looks, about Everything about yourself. All the ups and downs. You're comparing that to what you perceive as the best of somebody else who you know nothing usually about, especially when it comes to social media. You know a a tiny percentage of that person's life because it's all they're willing to show you on social media. Yes, there's people in your life that you'll know more. So I used to compare myself to my sister a lot growing up because she was –
0: Which one? You got a few.
1: I do have a few, but the one that's just above me. Yep. So in terms of age. So mm. she was the one that I would compare myself to a lot because she was always skinnier than me. I felt like she was always prettier than me. And I feel like listening to a lot of people in the past, that happens a lot in families with siblings. You know, you compare yourself to your sister or or your brother or something like that. It can happen a lot. Mm. So that's not unusual. So in that situation, I still know a lot about my sister, but you don't know everything. You don't know their thoughts. You don't know literally everything about someone. You can never know everything. So you're still comparing the worst of you to what you perceive to be the best of somebody else. Yeah. And it's really damaging because when you're wanting to build self-esteem and and get and build yourself up and be the best version of yourself, all that's doing is dragging you back down. It's like fi- it's it's like two steps forward, five steps back.
0: Mhm. So how do you improve at this?
1: I think it is, again, this goes into listening to the noise a bit. So that will help, I think, with this. It did for me because as an adult, a lot of my comparing myself to other people were, yes, other people around me, but a lot on social media. So that did have a big impact on my ability to be able to really see that clearly in terms of working on listening to the noise. I think as well... Comparing yourself to others. I say it all the time, It's, it's but for me it, it comes down to another habit that I need to be aware of. And I feel bad saying this is the answer because I feel like I've said this is the answer to a lot of the things, but for me, awareness is key.
0: How do you create it?
1: I think I create it from – it leads also into my my really my low points. So what's triggering my emotional eating – what's triggering, you know, all these um, toxic habits that I have and these emotionally feeling really low, Once once I start to be able to get to a point where I can really ask myself what's bothering me and I'm really honest with myself is when that I can start to identify that potentially I'm upset because I'm not skinny enough and then I can work backwards and say, but why do I feel like I'm not skinny enough? What's triggered this? And it's because something that I've seen or something that somebody looks like today or, you know, I've compared myself. I've realised that I've compared myself to somebody else.
0: I think this is a good opportunity to bring back to the podcast your favourite P word.
1: Perspective.
0: Correct. Perspective is required with comparisons what of myself am I comparing to that of someone else? Like I, I've said it in – in, we spoke about my challenges, comparing my 99% someone else's 1% and reminding myself of that is like, oh, hang on, yeah. What, am I, what the fuck am I doing?
1: Yeah, and I think also just remembering that as I've got better at identifying this and talking myself through it when it comes up is also asking myself, but what's my goal? is my goal to actually look like that? So I used to do it a lot with the girls that I used to see in the gym or the trainers that you mentioned before, Matt. I used to do this question a lot with myself of, but do I actually want to look like that? And the answer was no, because that's not my goal body shape. It is for them, and I've got no problem with anybody else having that body shape, but it was never my goal to look like that. So I think that comes down to it too, where I'm automatically comparing myself to somebody who I don't even want to look like. And I think once you have that perspective, it's very easy then in those situations for me to talk myself into, what am I doing?
0: I'm really glad you brought that up. I I think, I'm not sure I'm going to say there are benefits to comparing yourself to others, but I think obviously it is healthy to have role models Mm. and people that you look up to or that you aspire to. And I can't believe I'm saying this because I – fucking hate this when I hear it most times but people that legitimately inspire you
1: I, I completely agree
0: I think we need those people around but you've hit the nail on the head Courtney where it's like hang on if you're comparing yourself to the next person or the next thing here's a here's a good question to ask are we are we aligned like am I like you said yourself like I compare myself to someone else where my goals aren't even to do that that is a that's a great way to add perspective and go well this is fucking pointless
1: I actually think you've just brought up a fantastic point when we talk about comparing yourself to others. I think it's really it's really important to clarify that this is comparing yourself to somebody else that's becoming toxic for you. This is invoking a toxic, negative emotional response for you. I think what you just said there, Matt, reminded me of that because it's like having role models or wanting to be inspired to look like somebody because you you appreciate their body shape and you've decided that that is the body shape that you also want to achieve and you feel like it's realistic for you and you would be, it would improve your confidence to look like that. Mm. That's the comparing yourself to others. That's not toxic, right? Mm. Because you're saying, I think it's realistic that I want to get to that style of shape or that size. Body shape is hard to emulate because different cultures, different genetics will sometimes dictate a particular body shape when it comes to, you know, bust, waist, hip, measurements so sometimes it is a little bit hard to say i want to look exactly like that Mm. but you often will have an idea or or a size that you want to be and you might have an idea of somebody who has that size wears that size of clothes and has a body shape that is desirable to you that you think is realistic and really suits your goal that is the comparison that's not toxic right because you're looking at them from a realistic standpoint and you're thinking to yourself, I can do that. I'm going to set a goal to achieve that result. But it's not that person's body. It's the result that you want. Isn't
0: that the difference between an aspirational comparison and a toxic comparison?
1: Absolutely. And I think just from what you were saying, Matt, before it made me think, it's really important for us to clarify that because this is the toxic part that I'm talking about that mm. I that it has always in the past growing up been a challenge for me. And now, over the last ten years, I've got way better at it. But I don't ever. I would. Ne- I wouldn't lie to you and say that I sit here today and I've never thought to myself in a negative way. Oh, why don't I Look more like that.
0: But that's. But when you say look more like that in an unrealistic way, like you couldn't anyway.
1: I couldn't anyway. But it's also. Do I want to? Am I just having an excuse right now to? Beat, up? beat myself up for no mm. reason. Like why am I saying that? Mm. Like why am I thinking that to myself? Like is there a bigger context here? Is it because I'm not happy with the way that I look? Okay. But don't I already have goals and strategies in place? So I don't need that negative inside noise. It's basically inside noise is what it is.
0: There is internal and external noise for sure. This is where I like the, the use of the word alignment. Like if, I, if I'm going to compare myself to someone, there should be some alignment there. Otherwise, the comparison is flawed immediately. Yeah. Like it's where from a business perspective you might have – I'll use the our, our business as a, a, an example. You might have a, a trainer come to us and say, oh, like, yeah, I'm killing it. Like I'm I'm training – I work 70 hours on the floor in the gym each week making all this money and I think, like, well, that's fantastic. I don't fucking want that at all. So, no. There's, so there's, not, there's, there's no need to have a comparison there. No. No. Like you, It might be like, oh, that, that trainer makes more money than us, but like, I don't want to earn it that way.
1: But if you were not confident mm. in the way you live your life and the way you run your business, there's a potential that inside noise would go around again in your mind. It would play on your mind because then you would think, man, maybe I am doing the wrong thing.
0: Well, it goes back to the question I asked you before. Are you more susceptible to noise when you're lacking your self-confidence? Yes. So I suppose it's also then a question about how do you build self confidence? Like that's a podcast unto itself. Maybe we should put that in our notes. I
1: think we should because that we can't dive into right now, but it is something that that we probably should at some point.
0: Might have to put that on our on our planner list. Yeah, I think. Okay. Anything else you'd like to add about comparing yourself to others?
1: I don't think so. I think I've covered off everything. But okay. If you think I've missed anything, please email us. Where at Matt?
0: Podcast at the You really caught me on the hop then.
1: <laughs> you do it to me all the time. I do. So I've got you one back. So but...
0: we've got we've got three more challenges to get stuck into next week. Do we want to give them away right literally now?
1: Literally just about to say, how about we tell everyone that the three Who's everyone? listening? Of course. Okay. Because it's not just us listening, surely. Surely. I hope not. <laughs> All I'm right, Matt, what are we touching on next week?
0: Imposter syndrome, food variety, and what may create a part four of this, anxiety.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll try to keep that one succinct because that could go on forever. But
0: Okay, so I'm going to give a plug to our facebook group which we mentioned before but go again
1: it's the weight loss podcast on facebook
0: yeah what are you doing come and join us like come it's on.
1: a great group it is this is where we're talking about we're there finished, are right? some good parts about social media you just have to find them
0: and in our opinion we are part of the good parts of social media We are. <laughs> so outside of that i think that's a wrap so thank you for joining us courtney thank you once again for bearing your soul you're welcome We will continue this in the next episode. So, hey, let's get out of here and we'll see you next week.
1: Bye.